Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Who are those guys? I'm Galen. And I'm Doug. And we're those movie guys. Bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007. Today is Monday, October 1st, 2007, and coming up on the show, it is DVD releases. This week, we have the review of the TV set and Bug. But we're going to start things off with our review of the TV set. You know, despite the hallowed reverence that false sophisticates show them, independent films are largely a mixed bag. For every Reservoir Dogs, you get two or three LOLs, films that are bad to the point of being broken. Well, this week we take a look at the TV set, an independent film from director Jake Kasdan, starring David Duchovny and Sigourney Weaver. This film follows television writer Mike, played by Duchovny, as he attempts to stay true to his artistic vision without losing his job. Now, this film already has two things going for it that LOL did not. An experienced cast, led by the aforementioned Duchovny and Weaver, and a director in Kasdan who has achieved at least moderate success with 2002's Orange County. So, does the TV set elevate itself above the swarms of indie comedies, or is it just another LOL? Well, I'm going to put it somewhere in between. It certainly doesn't elevate itself to a level above some indie comedies, but it is it is a hell of a lot better than LOL. I think as a movie that kind of shows the behind the scenes and what goes on in the creation of a, a television show from the writing and the casting to the rehearsing and the production, there was definitely some interesting moments in the film. And I liked kind of the, the battle that you had between the creative minds against the corporate minds who only want ratings and, you know, don't really care whether people get it or not. So in that sense, it's kind of a refreshing telling of, of a recycled theme of, you know, corporation versus art. But to me, that's about all the movie had going for it. I thought that the characters themselves were, were kind of distant, especially Judy Greer as Alice. Her character actually annoyed me. If there was one character I did like, it was probably Sigourney Weaver's. I thought she played a good part where she tried to, almost like the backstabber, I'll say, you know, that her answer was always, oh, I like it, but... I want to make these changes, or I have a few concerns, mm -hmm. to which David Duchovny would be like, so you don't like it? Well, no, I like it, but I just, there's concerns that are concerning, you know, the corporate answer. Well, okay. I don't know, what, what, do, you, what do you think? I'm, I'm going to start with what you got right, and that is that okay. Sigourney Weaver is the best actor in the film. I'll, I'll definitely agree to that. She's fantastic in her role as Lenny. I mean, she has that perfect passive-aggressive stance to her that you don't really expect to see from a character like that. You know, you 
I, I don't know. I, I'm used to seeing wherever you see the executive, they're more aggressive, aggressive, for lack of a better term. Like, they, they don't feel the need to hide their feelings, whereas she kind of has this sort of shield of just pretending that, uh, pretending that she loves the artist and, and helping the artistic vision that Mike has, but at the same time, she really doesn't give a shit. So you got that right. And you also got right that the, it's a really interesting look inside of the TV industry. And it is. And I can't recall another film, maybe when we go through our list, you had thought of one, but there aren't really a whole lot of good movies about television production. I mean, lots of movies about uh, movies and a lot about the music industry, but not a lot about right. television. So that was good. Now, what you were wrong about was the fact that you seem to have somehow missed the fact that this movie is terrific. And... Oh, here we go. <laughs> yes. And first of all, Judy Greer as Alice, I thought was hilarious. I don't know what you found irritating about her. I loved about how... About her sucky acting? What was sucky about it? I... She seemed very forced. I thought her but acting that... reminded me of the two characters that were acting. I mean, she's acting forced deliberately because she's trying to put a pleasant spin on everything, even though, even if it's the most horrible well, thing in I the world. I get that. I get that. It's more of her her mannerisms. You know, she's almost. I can see that she's trying to put a pleasant spin, but she just comes off as as very fake. She wasn't convincing. Her character I, I didn't is know fake. What character she was trying to play. Her character is fake, though. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. She's supposed to be fake. That's how she makes her living. And I, I thought she was hilarious as that in that I, role. I didn't laugh once. You you didn't laugh once, said Alice. No. All right. Well, you're an idiot. But well, what about what about Fran Kranz and uh, Lindsay Sloan as the two actors cast in this film? I mean, they're hilarious, especially Fran they, Kranz, who's just insane <laughs> as right, this actor. They were at least better than Alice, and they provided a few of the chuckle moments that I had with this movie, especially you know, kind of the 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 male character how. During the rehearsal, he gets it right. Yeah. And then when they continue to shoot it, he gets almost more and more over the top. <laughs> well, and the one where he does it is De Niro. I mean, whenever he's delivering his lines like De Niro, and he he just flips out. He's like, and then your fucking brother dies. <laughs> and I mean, that was hilarious. I mean, because he clearly just has no sense of decorum whatsoever. And it was just, it was hilarious, especially since, I mean, Lindsay Sloan's kind of like the straight man, or straight woman, to, uh, to Zach in the, the film. And uh, <laughs> she just has this look of horror on her face when she's, he's going through his lines. But, uh, so I, I thought, I thought that was great. I loved, uh, 
I loved how horrible the movie or the TV show ended up becoming <laughs> from what the executives did to it. I mean, you had fart jokes in it, and I mean, it it reminded me a lot of uh, of. Robert Altman's The Player, where at the end you have this movie that has just, its artistic vision has completely been betrayed for the, uh, the, um, the goals of the, the executives. See, I, I wish almost we would have seen some sort of retaliation. I think the movie ended too quick. Because you see at the at the party the the movie or the show is completely bastardized from what his vision yeah, was. Yeah, completely. But, and, and you know, you even get his reaction, but it, it's not much of a reaction. You almost I guess in a way I just don't want to see him settle for what the man wants. Well, I know, but the the thing is, I mean the reality is that what choice does he have? I mean, his choice is either to quit his job and maintain his artistic vision or to keep his job and give in to what the executives want. I mean, that those are his choices. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't play realistically if they tried to make a compromise because that just wouldn't happen in the real world. While that may be true, I don't know. I think the whole movie, the movie as a whole, had kind of a, a blah feel to it. I just, I didn't find anything exciting, edgy, or really new. It's no. not a terrible film by any. The writing's fantastic, though. I mean, the jokes are. I, one of the earliest jokes when Sigourney Weaver, when they're auditioning the, the girls who are going to be up for the lead female role in this TV show. And uh, she she makes the joke about the fake breasts, and she said, "Plus, I think she has fake breasts, and I I believe over the lifespan of a series, the audience will be able to feel that." <laughs> and I just I thought that was hilarious. And I mean, there are tons of jokes like that. It's a really crisply written movie. I I was really impressed by it, and there's really not anything that I didn't. To me, it was, again, just Bly. I think the standout was Sigourney Weaver. But yeah, I can agree with you on that. She was the best. But, I mean, I thought it was strong all the way around. I just did not fall in love with it. All right. Well, what are you going to give the TV set? Well, first, let me clarify, because this might be a little bit of a harsh rating, that if you compare it to my rating of Laugh Out Loud or LOL, yeah. I would love to take that time back and change my rating <laughs> much worse i'm gonna give the tv set though two and a half stars <laughs> all right, right. Uh, i'm giving it four and a half i thought it was hilarious i think Christ. it's i think it's great and i think it's as good a, a movie about the tv industry as the player is about the film industry and i highly recommend people check it out despite what did you really said. really think it was that funny I yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Jeez. Yeah. I I, I I thought it was great and obviously you watched a different
Now we're going to take a look at the DVD release of Bug. While neither of us are huge fans of the horror genre, we both have given good reviews to the subgenre of psychological thriller, including such films as Silence of the Lambs and The Ring. From its appearance, Bug appears to place itself in this tradition. Based on a play, most of the film takes place in a single motel room, where Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon play a couple who has just met and become convinced they are caught up in a government conspiracy. Directed by William Friedkin, the man behind two of the greatest films of American film renaissance, The Exorcist and The French Connection, Bug seems to have a good pedigree. However, in recent years, Friedkin has had a mediocre career. This recent effort re received mostly lukewarm praise from critics. Bug Allen, I didn't get a chance to see Bug this week, so you tell me, is Bug a return to form for Friedkin? Well, we, we tend to like to start out our reviews by talking about the positive, so that's what I'm going to do. And now that that's out of the way, we'll get to what was bad about the movie. Oh, poor Bug. <laughs> Alright, um, no, I actually, there is one positive, sort of. It's a half a positive. I think that Ashley Judge, yeah, Ashley Judd, gives a decent performance, in fact, a very good performance, in the first half of the film. When she is this sort of, I, I mean, this woman who's being haunted by her abusive husband who's just gotten out of prison and who's kind of stalking her. And, I, I mean, she's very good in that role as this, this uh, kind of tough, earthy white trash type of character. And, and she's very good in this role. I mean, there is, like, an earthy sexuality to her, and you buy her in this role. But by the end of the movie, when she starts to go crazy, it just doesn't make any sense. And that's kind of the critical flaw in this film for me, is that I don't understand why she goes crazy. I mean, Michael Shannon, who plays Peter Evans in the the film, he pretty much starts out as crazy. So, I mean, you don't really need to understand what drove him insane. But Ashley Judd starts out as, you know, while she may be under emotional stress because of her husband, you, you don't get the impression that she's capable of going completely mad. And never in the film does anything happen to her that adequately explains why she goes insane. And I mean, when I say goes insane, I'm talking ludicrous. Like, I mean, they, they cover their floors and ceilings and walls with tinfoil so that like, the government can't transmit signals to them. And I, I mean... They think they have bugs in them, so they start, like, cutting off pieces of skin and stuff like that. And, yeah, and I, I mean, you just don't get any reason. I mean, years ago, she lost a child. Like, a child was, like, abducted from her in a grocery store. And, but this was years ago, and if that's, like, the only catalyst of why she does this, it doesn't make sense why this happens to her now. 
So that that's the part of the problem. I also think that Michael Shannon is gives a horribly stilted performance as this guy who really could be an interesting role of this war veteran who's lost his mind. I mean, I think you could have made that into a very interesting character, but it, he's just, it's such a stilted performance, you'd never buy it. The camera work is terrible. It's very bizarre shooting of most of the scenes. It's very disorienting in parts from the cuts that they make. A lot of jump cutting, uh, which can sometimes be effective, but it's not here. Uh, the, there's a sex scene that is the most bizarre, least sexily shot sex scene I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I understand that they didn't maybe want to make it a sexy sex scene. And that's fine, because, I mean, a sex scene can do lots of things other than be sexually appealing. But I'm not sure what the fuck they were doing with the sex scene, other than doing a weird David Lynch wannabe scene. I mean, it's really god-awful. Um, you know, the abusive husband character played by Harry Connick Jr. is a cliché straight out of every other film that has an abusive husband. I mean, and I kept thinking of the movie Waitress and how the husband in that film was so so terrific because he was abusive but at the same time he had depth and layers to him and he wasn't just the evil abusive husband because he did love his wife and he just he just had you know um i don't know how i word it but he did love his wife even though he was an asshole you know, right. because it's possible right. to be both. Whereas this is just there's the, an extra dimension to this character. Yeah, yeah. Cardboard cutout. Exactly. So I mean, and then another thing is, you know, you never really understand why Ashley Judd's character falls for Michael Shannon's character, because there's no reason why she would be attracted to this psycho. Because it's, it's clear from early on that she's that he's nuts. And he gives these conspiracy theories to her, and she believes all of them, like, right off the bat. She doesn't... She's not skeptical at all. And I don't understand why she would just believe these crazy things coming from a man she doesn't even really know. And then we have... Uh, you know, my basic problem with the film is that it starts from an interesting premise. You know, it, it is interesting to watch two characters have their, their anchors to reality get unhinged and to just go slowly insane. But you have to execute it, and they just failed to do that. I mean, the... From the camera work to the music, nothing in this film works. There's not a single thing. Other than, as I said, Judd's performance before her character goes insane works. But that's it. That's the only thing. That, I mean, this is really a movie that, you know, if I were told to fix it, I would throw everything out. And maybe I would keep the basic premise of it, of them... Uh, of these two characters who go insane. But 
everything else we get pitched. There's nothing worth saving. So, bottom line is, do not go see Bug. Ever. It's horrible. And it's an abomination unto the Lord. <laughs> so, I'm going to give it a point five. Oh. Yeah. It, it is equally horrible to LOL. It may not be broken like LOL, but it is just as unwatchable. 2.5s in a couple weeks here. You're really saving on the stars. I know, I am. <laughs> okay, well now, in honor of the TV set, the film that Doug got completely wrong, we're going uh, to have... So. We're going to count down our top five favorite movies about the entertainment industry. So, Doug, I'm going to let you start us off. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I should just point out by entertainment industry, I considered movies that dealt with both, with anything. Television, music, uh, news, anything that kind of, even though news may not be necessarily entertaining, but yeah. anything that has to do with kind of production of media. Yeah, I actually did leave news off my list, but other than that... Like, music, Actually, movies, and TV, I guess. To be honest with you, so did I. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, in my list of all the ones I considered, a few of them got on there that were, like, because I put Good Night and Good Luck. Mm. But I didn't put it as the top five. Anyways, here we go. Okay. My top five is about an out-of-work actor kind of making it back who befriends a character in the movie... Ten items or less. Oh, yeah. This movie stars one of my favorite actors, uh, Morgan Freeman, and of course the ridiculously hot Paz Vega, who does it. Also gives a great performance in this movie. Yes. And while you may not see a behind the scenes of, of how a movie is shot, like you would in the TV set, so just we get to see how a TV shows produced you do get the feeling or you do get to see kind of Morgan Freeman preparing for a role, you mm -hmm. know, as he considers whether or not he should do this film, especially when he's in the supermarket. Those are some of the, the funniest scenes in the movie as he's trying to, I guess I'll say study and research the, the character. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are great scenes. Film. I mean, the, the film of course also is about so much more and it's definitely worth watching. Well, yeah, I that's a totally terrific choice. I I didn't include it on my list, but definitely a worthy addition. I'm not going to talk about my number five a whole lot because it's the TV set which we just watched this week, and we pretty Why would much you put a film that only gets two and a half stars on your list. Well, see, I only consider people who rate movies that have half a brain and taste, so. <laughs> A two-and-a-half rating from someone who doesn't understand the art of film doesn't really matter to me. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're a writer, not a filmmaker. I I am an artiste. You think it has good writing, and that's it. As good writing and great performance. film at best. It, it has great performances. It has great writing. You're You're on drugs. The TV set in number five. 
but I guess I'll move on to my number four. <clears throat> a documentary. It is, mm. this film is not yet rated. Mm. Now, this film, when I saw it, of course, was a jaw-dropper. I think everyone at one time or another kind of wondered what the, the review process was for movies being submitted and getting a, a rating by the MPAA. And this film pretty much documents the bullshit method and the bullshit group that does assign the ratings to these movies. Whether it was successful enough to bring about change, we'll see in the coming years, but it is a good look about of what the industry has to offer as far as people trying to control what we see and censorship in movies. Okay, that's a good choice. It was... It made my honorable mentions list, but it didn't crack my top five. My number four choice is a good companion piece to the TV set, The Player, which I mentioned in my review of the film. It, very much the same type of movie as the TV set. The only difference... Well, there are a few other differences, but the essential one being that The Player is about the film industry. You know, you get Tim Robbins as this Hollywood executive who is being threatened by a writer that he turned down for a script. And he uh, basically has a really crazy mini-adventure of having not trying to discover who it is that's sending him these death threats. And at the same time, you also get to see how he pushes a movie to get made and how this movie ends up being completely corrupted from its artistic vision of what it was originally going to entail. <clears throat> sounds like a good choice. I haven't seen that movie, but sounds like it would be much better than the TV set. Yeah. So my number three choice is probably the one you're going to argue with me on, and that is Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman. I'm not going to argue yeah. with Tootsie. I thought you didn't like that movie. No, I like Tootsie. I, I think it's oh. overrated, but I, okay, I do well, like it. And I guess you probably won't argue with me. No, no. Anyways, the, the <coughs> film is about Dustin Hoffman's character, that he's desperate and can't find a, an acting job until he gets on a roll on a soap opera. The twist of the film, though, is that he must dress up like a woman, of course, and the, the comedy of the film comes in when he gets... Know, feelings for one of the, the leading actresses in the movie or in the soap opera and kind of how does he explain his tits to her being a woman that might be kind of tough <laughs> that could be <laughs> it, it is a very funny movie and uh it's from the early 80s i can't remember what year exactly it is but it's probably one a lot of our viewing or listening audience has already seen if oh not, yeah see it. i would imagine so yeah, that is a good choice, though. <clears throat> My number three choice is Singing in the Rain. You know, I, I don't think I need to go on too long talking about this film, other than it's it's one of, it's probably the best musical ever made. And it's a terrific look also at the film industry as it's making the transition from silent to sound film. And uh, because of that, the musical was really the perfect vehicle to make this movie, and the, it it's hilarious, and 
you know, if you haven't seen it, if someone who's listening to this podcast that considers themselves a film buff have not seen this film, you need to go see it right now. It's required viewing. Well, I certainly agree with you. I agree with you so much that you stole my thunder. I'll just go ahead and reveal it now. My number one choice was Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. And for all the reasons that you mentioned, I think it's a hilarious look at the way the, the movie production studios had to introduce sound and adapt to it. How many actors in the, the industry suddenly found themselves out of work because their voices just weren't right for the parts. Right. Right. And it, it required a totally different style of acting, too. It's really, right. it changed everything. And aside from it just being a very great musical and a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. It's it's probably the most fun movie you can possibly watch. There, I don't think there are any movies that you'll have a better time viewing. Uh, my number two choice is a great older film called Sullivan's Travels. It's about a director named Sullivan who goes on... Uh, so he he's famous for making comedies, and he decides that he wants to make a serious film because he thinks comedies are just worthless. He's just like a jester. So he wants to make a serious film, but the people point out that he's never suffered in his life. He's lived a life of privilege, so he has no pain or angst to draw upon. So he decides to go on a little pilgrimage and see suffering in the world. And in order to understand that. And, of course, hilarity ensues because he has no idea what he's getting himself into. And there are scenes where he's has his, uh, his butler ask uh, a hobo where... Or ask a train conductor where hobos should try to jump on the train if they want to ride it. And... Uh, and things like that, because he he has no clue how to how people who are suffering live, and it's a really great film. Also, apart from being hilarious, it's it's a great film about the importance of comedy. Because I feel a lot of times comedy is looked down upon as not as important or serious as drama. But I think this I think Sullivan's Travels makes a great case for comedy being just as viable an art form as drama, and actually a lot harder to do. I agree with that statement. Well, that sounds like a good choice. I guess my last choice will be my number two choice, since I already revealed my number one. And my number two choice is music and lyrics. Yeah. And of course, this being a film about a has-been musician, you know, an, an out-of-work 80s musician who still has a career doing the, the local theme parks and parties and bar mitzvahs, but yet can't seem to make it back into the big time until he's given an opportunity by a kind of pop princess. And it's one of my favorites of this year. I just I love this movie. I love the music in it, and I think it's a great film for everybody to watch. Yeah, that that also made my honorable mentions list, but not quite the top five. My number one choice is Cinema Paradiso. You know, it's it's not about 
the filmmaking industry per se, but it's about the the people who show the films to to everyone, and about the love of film in general. It's really for anyone who loves movies, it's a must see because it 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 shows why people love movies and what it is about them that keeps drawing people back year after year and it, it's besides that it's a great story about a boy growing up and it, i just can't recommend this film strongly enough it's one of my favorites of all time it is a very excellent film i would highly recommend it as well all right well those are our lists and we look forward to hearing what yours are and if we forgot anything i'm sure you guys will let us know Okay, well now we're going to take a look at the movies that are going to be releasing this coming week. First of all, on DVD this Tuesday, we have not a whole lot to choose from. There are really only two major releases. We have The Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, which I'm sure is Oscar-worthy. And <laughs> Maybe just for Jessica Alba. Yeah. I, I still don't understand why they made her the invisible girl, because, honestly, that she's the only the one you want to see. Would ever want. Yeah. They should have made everything else about the film invisible except for her. And then uh, we have a movie that we're going to try to review next week, 1408, starring John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. It's kind of a psychological thriller type of movie, and... Hopefully much better than the god-awful bug. We can only hope. I, I can't imagine it being any worse, though. Uh, then we have, coming up this Friday in theaters, we have The Heartbreak Kid starring Ben Stiller, which I'm sure will be an abomination. We have The Seeker, The Dark is Rising, which... I'm curious about, just because, one, I read the books as a kid, the Dark is Rising series, and two, it stars Ian McShane from Deadwood, so those I'm are... I'm not uh, looking forward to that movie, because it's made by the people who made Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, well, that's another reason that people who understand the art of film would... Uh, would be interested in seeing it, because The Bridge to Terabithia was a fantastic film. Terrible movie. Well, you know, we can't all be uh, people who know art. Uh, then we have Christopher, uh, also in the, the film, another thing that that is cool is Christopher, Christopher Eccleston, who plays, uh, or did play Doctor Who, is also in it, so that's kind of cool as well, so... We'll see. We also have uh, Michael Clayton starring George Clooney is coming out in limited release. So I'm looking forward to that, although I kind of doubt that we'll get it anywhere near us, at least right now. So that's basically what's coming out. So it's not a very busy week, but we'll put a show together for you next week. We'll find something to review. Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today, 
please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our feed. Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com. When you're there, search for Those Movie Guys. You can post a message to our forums. And you can also email us at thosemovieguys at gmail.com. It's thosemovieguys at gmail.com. We look forward to any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.